make all kinds of connections from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Hi, good evening, and uh, welcome to Things Worth Considering. We are a weekly talk show that loves to give you some ideas to ponder, some ideas to disagree with, and hopefully some things that are worth considering. I'm Gord Riddell, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, I'm beginning to wonder, though, about, you know, Alexia Georgiousis, the doctor. <laughs> I haven't seen her in a year, you know that? And I'm not even sure who this person is. It could just be the sliding animation that comes in and out. Um, <laughs> I, I, I long for the day that we're in the same room at the same time doing this show. Um, I do, too, Gordon. Maybe I in another too. country would be absolutely wonderful. We are maybe. live uh, this evening. And if you would like to call us, um, we have toll-free number. And we're at 1-888-346-9141 from anywhere in North America, internationally, 001-480-553-5760. That's for international callers. Um, we have a very cool lady here with us tonight, Meilin Kwan. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me, Gord and Alexia. Oh, it was absolutely a pleasure. Uh, we were having so much fun. It was too bad that we had to like go on the air right away. <laughs> like stop, stop the laughter. Um, uh, Maylin is a mother of two. Uh, you look about maybe 19, uh, let alone having, um, you know, obviously the boy or the girls, I don't know, boys or girls. Who are they? What have you a got? boy and a girl. A Call boy and a girl. Right. The yeah. million dollar family. There you go. Um, so, in your early days, uh, you there's some comparability here of traveling, uh, going to university, then taking off for Europe. Originally, you were born in Trinidad, Tobago. Um, yes. The nicest people come from there. Now, I have a couple of good friends. <laughs> one so. one is not. She's looking down right now. And my dentist is actually from Trinidad. And they're just amazingly wow. lovely people. Yeah. I have not had the privilege of going there yet. Uh but the, the Phyllis, who's passed away, was hysterical. She was this <laughs> just hysterical uh, a woman. She was a black lineage. Her dad, I think, was a Hindu lineage. Uh, it was a real interesting uh, combination because she was like in your, my face all the time. Uh, <laughs> so you came to Canada. Mm-hmm. You, grew up the, you grew up here from... I, I did. Yeah, from Trinidad. My mother, uh, my parents, my mother was born in Trinidad. So she, her story is quite interesting as well. Um, and then they took seven, seven of us to Canada. Um, I was four at the time. And, um, and yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. So I grew up in a family quite multicultural. So coming mm-hmm. from a Chinese background, a West Indian background, coming into Canada, which again was multicultural. And then my different siblings marrying into different cultures as well and religions. And so you, we, I grew well, up. Your high holidays must be a blast. Canadian. It, it is. It's fantastic <laughs> with my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and Maylin, when you, you know, we, we're going to get into your work because uh, we know you're a photographer and you've also started mm-hmm. this incredible organization called Kids Canada. But what got you into your photography? 
I always loved it. I went, um, I hadn't actually had no idea what I had wanted to do once I graduated. I had a friend that um, I thought I would teach English and go to Quebec. Um, and then my friend just said, go, you know, jump, jump uh, continents. And I did. And I was in France. I was no pair why there. Jump so that was quite, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I jumped over to France and that was quite uh, an interesting journey as well. I was, um, all of a sudden I felt like I was a mother of three kids. And, you were uh, no pair there. girl. You were no <laughs> pair. No pair, yeah. I haven't yeah. heard that expression in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, and, and then I, I just studied French there and then I backpacked and, uh, came back and then, um, uh, I just, um, had, a, I met someone that owned a camera store and he just taught me all the darkroom stuff and I got fascinated with that. And so I went back to school. So before going off to Europe, I had just graduated from, from York university, um, after just falling in love with photography as well, I went, I took a course with OCAD, which is OCAD University now, mm -hmm. um, and went to Mexico. And that was, a, that was fabulous. And I went back to OCAD for a couple of years of schooling. And then I just went right into the industry of shooting. I was really lucky to get pulled in. So I was pretty much um, just reading as I go and just jumping into shoots and just loving it. And, and during that journey, I realized just the, the power of a photograph. Um, the first time that I saw someone actually cry um, looking at a photograph, it, it it made me realize how much power I had in in taking a photo of someone, and how um, so many people out there, um, when they're in front of your camera, it doesn't matter what level they're at. Like they can be at the top of the the um, pole, and in, in terms of their the corporation or the, the the company that they're in, and then they become still vulnerable, and they will tell me, "Oh, you know, I've got this on my nose or whatever." Yeah. <laughs> so, I really, so suddenly. <laughs> You know, no matter how what level they were at, they were you know oh, that in, in front of the camera. They were yeah, they were very vulnerable in front of there. So I, I realized right. um, how important um, just communication with them, and I realized um, everyone thought you know so like photography and like my family coming from a, a more predominantly Chinese family, they they didn't really think that was the route I should go. Um, why don't you become a postman or not that that's wrong or anything, but it would bring in more money, they thought. So, but an I engineer persevered be better? or the engineer, doctor, yeah, <laughs> anything to um, maybe they didn't think I could, you know, accomplish those things. But anyways, um, I persevered and uh, eventually, um, you know, you know, they, the, 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 they stopped telling me I should do something else. So I guess I, in their <laughs> so eyes, succeeded somewhat. Yeah. And, wow. and this aspect of photography and vulnerability, capturing vulnerability, was mm -hmm. most of your work initially around capturing people or landscapes or children? Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Yeah, I love people. So everything, even my landscapes, um, I, I'm always, I always have a, a person in there. So, um, mm. and, and in children, I just love children. So shooting children was actually um, a lot of fun for me as well. Yeah, you got, yeah, on your site you have, uh, which we'll, we'll give out later on. Uh, some some very cool shots. Thank you. Kids. There's just so much energy. These kids, you know, <laughs> they I mean, just just you know, looking at children's fo photographs, you know, just kind of like trying to remind us of you know, uh, you could stand up and like move. You know, there's energy and uh -huh. movement. And these kids are like their <laughs> arms and their legs are like all upside down. And, you know, they're just wonderful. Great, great shots. Great shots. Yeah, the the playfulness and the vibrancy that you capture, and and so your travels you know, started to lead you and I guess develop your your awareness around 
the subtleties of vulnerability and also various cultures. That's what I'm, that's yes. what I'm understanding. Now you're Is jumping the gun here because her bio talked everything <laughs> about Belgian chocolates in Belgium. Oh, I am ch- jumping the gun. So you're jumping the gun. <laughs> you're, you're bringing her so to So let's today. go back. Yeah. I wanted, I, I'm, you know, your university, post-university days wandering around from being au pair girl in France uh, and learning the language, which is the only way to learn languages, uh, to Belgium with Belgium chocolates. I remember you went to Morocco uh, mm-hmm. and uh, was tea and there was a, a, a dish of some sort. You became quite The tagines, yeah. Yeah, the tagines, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would not have remembered that word, but I did remember because I looked it up, what it was <laughs> and so on. So, um, yeah, I mean, you really, uh, what was really cool in the reading, you know, what you provided to us about, or to me, uh, in terms of your bio was some really unique, like Belgium chocolate, you know, or, <laughs> or a tea from Morocco. Like it was really, really, uh, it was very personal. It was highly personal. It wasn't like, yeah, you know, I went to the, went to uh, uh, Marrakesh and, you know, bought a rug. Wow, that's nice. <laughs> it was it was it was amazing traveling through there and just knowing just one language and it's, and then French and I wasn't very good in languages going through high school but um, in university I realized uh, there were a lot of people from Quebec coming through at, at Glendon at part of York University. Oh yeah, Glendon. And then I just of fell. See, I went yeah, there. So. I, yeah. Did you really? Yeah, okay. So yeah, I yeah. fell in love. I fell in love with the, the French language and that's what made me go and do do courses in Quebec and then I jumped over to France but but traveling I I realized how how much just a a hello or or anything anything to to greet someone in their own language made such a difference Um, a lot of people Mm -hmm. say the French are very cold and the Quebecois are very cold but they're not I never found them so yeah but I never found them to be because I think we it's how we approach people Uh, so that I think traveling really really truly teaches people how um, how to approach people and how, and you're vulnerable when, when, when you're here in Canada and you don't, you know, you're not exposed to someone else's culture and, and how difficult it is to, to try to communicate with someone else and, and try to find a location or a place to go to when you, when you're not challenged that way, it's so easy for you to just not be patient with people. And, um, and I think that's where like intolerance and hatred and, and all the things that we're sort of seeing right, not sort of, but we are seeing right mm-hmm. now um, mm-hmm. with COVID is just sort of magnified all that. So oh, traveling. Wow, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So traveling I think so we take important. our shyness. You know, Canadians are kind of shy. You know, when you put them up against our Southern neighbor, we're, we're very shy. You know, I don't know about how polite <laughs> they say we're polite. I don't know. But, they say. But I think what we do is we project our shyness onto other people so we don't initiate. We don't, you know, uh, you know, greet them in the morning or, or whatever. We wait for them. And then we think, well, they didn't do it because they're waiting for us. And so we think they're really snobs or they're stuck up or they're arrogant or hard people to get to know. And yet I, th- I really think it's just our shyness as travelers that we don't put ourselves out there. I think one of the, one of the best things anyone can ever do is travel by themselves for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've got a friend. You always have a friend. You've got someone to go to dinner, someone to go for coffee, breakfast to meet up with or, or wake up with or whatever. Uh, and you just rely on that. But when you're by yourself and you and you are a social person, then 
that's a very different experience. It is very different. And, and backpacking was fantastic for those experiences. Um, going in the group was very safe, felt very comfortable and, and you saw things, but going on your own was really a wonderful experience for me because I, I, found that I met more people. People were more open to pull me in on, into their groups. I went at my own yep. pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was wonderful that way. And talking to other people, they said they experienced the same. And I was really fortunate to work to move with groups and then also to do a lot of solo trips on my own as well. So it was, right. was great. Yeah, well, it, it also allows us to, it, it also gives people a chance to trust themselves and mm-hmm. experience this sense of, of, Oh, you know, I don't really have anyone to ask, and and it it it's that sense of well, I'll just stumble over here and end up over mm-hmm. here, and you know, you can you have to be careful, of course, but I think that that relationship with the self is is very intimate, and travel really enhances that. And then, were you in your travels at that time? Were you with your camera? Did you have your camera when you were traveling? Can you hear me? I did. I did not, and that, you know, okay. I was just breaking up for a little bit. For sure, a while sure. There. I just had a small camera, um, but I didn't. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't into it as much. I loved it, but I didn't have a camera that was, you know. But but you know, ultimately, I tell everyone it doesn't really matter what you have. It's mm. it's just your eye and this, the the yeah. connection you have with what you're looking at. Um, and people think that they're limited by not having an expensive piece of equipment and, and being a, a woman in the photography world. I, I, um, I always had men looking at me thinking I was either the makeup woman or, or the hair person. <laughs> not that, not that that's a bad position. I, those are bad no, positions, but it's just the and, assumption. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. also just sort of like, you know, talk, trying to talk big talk with me, like, what kind of lens is that? So I had all mm. those things, um, you know, um, being a woman in the photography world. Right. So, um, right. But uh, other than that, having, when anyone's in- interested in photography, I'm always the first one to tell them that it doesn't really matter how expensive their camera is. No. Um, ultimately, I love iPad. Yeah. <laughs> I think iPad, iPad takes phenomenal, and it just keeps getting better. Rumor yeah. has it they're, they're going to shoot out a pro, uh, pro air uh, next next month. That's they're not crazy. doing a big a big launch, but like it's a very okay. upscale. With with and the thing they're the most uh, talking about insider is is the new camera. Wow. Yeah. So there's inside information for you coming hey, to yeah. you right from downtown <laughs> Toronto because I read the news um, on my on my iPhone. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. Of it. Well, I think I think this is this is also really encouraging for people who are curious about mm-hmm. photography. And mm-hmm. again, I know I jumped ahead earlier, but we'll we'll I'll jump ahead a little bit. But it's that sense of bringing that connection with children, with whomever, through using photography Mm -hmm. but you also use other um you know streams of arts and things like this that we'll talk about a bit later but for you um in terms of not having really film anymore I mean film is not really used Mm -hmm. much do you miss that um I don't actually um (laughs) it's interesting right it was because it was always so it was I was always um quite anxious wondering if you know my you know until you had the actual images and the, the negatives in your hand um, I was always afraid that something didn't turn out, but um, having the and being in the digital world, um, there it was just fantastic. And it's interesting having shot film. I realized that I didn't shoot as much 
or many, I didn't shoot as many photos as other people would just come like the kids coming in with just digital, but I have embraced it and I love it. And I, I don't, um, being in the dark room has had, was fun, but I really don't miss it. Um, yeah. personally. Um, but I, I love that the fact that kids are going back and, and delving into all of those old traditional ways. I, I love putting fun. a video, like a video recorder, like the iPad or the, your phone or, or whatever, put it on and just chat with somebody. And then be able to go back and, and, and pull pull the stills out of the video. <laughs> like, because, you know, we talked about, you know, sort of that, that you know, people don't like it. Oh, my imperfections, my nose, my mm-hmm. eyes, my, you know, is we're so self-conscious. But if you, if you just put on this recorder and just, just chat and so on, it's none of this, you know, pose, click, pose, click. You know, we, anybody who gets into that position, like if you want to get like a, a nice headshot done or, or whatever for, for promos, is you're frozen most of the time. It's like, smile. Eh. You know, I was like, okay, relax a little, breathe. Eh. No. That's, that's and, yeah. That's when the, the photographer steps in, I feel, I feel like. Um, is there, in terms you know of when people, doing? yeah, they, <laughs> I'd hope they would. Um, <laughs> in terms of like in dance, like I, I love photo- photographing dance as well. So I've worked with some companies oh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. There. Mm-hmm. And, and it's uh, children and dance, anything like that. There's always a moment. And that's why I tell everyone at that they're everyone's photogenic too it's just that moment and um and if you if you've got it i think and um you can capture that moment you know what we're going to capture a moment right now because we have to take a break here we'll be back in two minutes you're listening to things worth considering and we are here with our guest maylin kwan we'll be right back Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic healthcare, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. 
Elevate your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. We're talking here with uh, Maylin Kwan. Now, one of the things that was interesting when you were traveling, and I and I was thinking actually when I was traveling. And we were about the same age, maybe, you know, 10 decades apart. You were older, of course. I don't think I would have been disciplined enough to have even used my camera, hardly. I was so, you know, so overwhelmed with the architecture and the art and just being there, you know. I didn't want to, like, set it up and, you know, like all, mm-hmm. all the stuff of, you know, you do as a photographer, you know. I would just loved it. So it's, it's only when I've, I've now been able to go back to a place that is like, I want to capture it differently, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's certainly how I felt. They were crappy cameras, let's face it, back then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, were, they weren't that great. But you, you talked about in Europe having the call back to Toronto, uh, and your brother's camera, his old Nikon, was sitting there. Yeah, he was. He knew that I I loved photog. I was interested in photography, so, and he had his old Nikon FE, my brother Tony, and he gave it to me, and I, and that was the that guess that was the start. Um, I started to shoot, and then um, I learned how to to print and develop the photos myself mm. with with my friend in this tiny little space and then <laughs> um and then just saw an article saying that um this uh, this this instructor david scopic was was leading classes in in mexico for a week so um it was fantastic i went i loved it fell in love with it again and um again it uh, that experience made me sensitive to the people that we were shooting so um the people were getting fabulous shots of the people but at the expense of the people they were shooting. So that was the big lesson for me um, in terms of just being sensitive to the people that we were going in and shooting. So it's, and um, being- Every in, time you say that, I get this sort of American cringe of shooting okay. people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, shooting, I know. Capturing them in our film or something. Yeah, like that. Just like, I know. I do drive-by you know? shootings as well. I do, <laughs> right right you do drive-by. <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> I know. It's going to lock me I'll up. I remember that. <laughs> Well, Maylin, can you speak a little bit more about this idea you said that, you know, with these journeys and and also in terms of your heritage, that often people Mm -hmm. are just more concerned about whether you're from China or Japan, Mm -hmm. and also that your experiences led you to notice this kind of collision of race, ethnicity, media, and these negative stereotypes. And you said this really shaped your photographic journey. So can you speak about that a little bit? Um, definitely. Um, I've, I found growing up, you, you tend to, I suppose, um, where do I start? Um, coming in from Trinidad and we, we lived in a predominantly, um, ethnic area and a lot of immigrant children. Um, so we had a lot of, there was diversity. So you tend to forget what you look like on the outside. So when you go out into the world later and people just always ask, you know, where are you from? And and, and I would say Trinidad and Tobago and they go, but you're not black, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. so that was always something that I would just joke about. They're not being sun here and everything, but, but eventually, um, 
with those assumptions that these people would have, and it, and was and it, it wasn't malicious or anything at all. It, but with that came a lot of stereotypes, a lot of misconceptions. Um, it's still happening now. My daughter Kaya is in in North Bay, and and it's predominantly white. So people think, she, although she's mixed, that she's Chinese. So a lot, and then there's a lot of assumptions that go along with that, which is became quite frustrating. Um, and so. Um, with those, I guess, and traveling and seeing how people treat each other and it all just sort of came together. And when I started to work with, when my children were young, um, I realized how important it was for children who weren't able to travel and experience other cultures. Um, I, I really thought it was important for them to be able to travel virtually. So again, mm. we were a little bit ahead of the COVID virtual world. So yeah. Um, so we were, we, yeah, so it was um, fantastic in that way that I really wanted our children to travel um, uh, virtually. So um, that's how it sort of started, and I, I got involved in the schools. Okay, and then is that where Kids Canada came from? Mm-hmm. I started okay. to work with, with other people and, and organizations, and they introduced me to Uganda, and then I went to Uganda myself in 2012 and fell in love with the kids. Um, at the Uganda's time, Uganda's a pretty scary place by reputation. It it, it is, but um, that's just because of the media, you know, sure. and yep. and the, you know everything. So, um, yeah, but um, it and when I got there, everything was not what I thought it would be. I thought I was going down there just to do um, a photography workshop, and then my nephew Mark had gone down to teach English in Kenya, and so he had actually started up a project. Uh, biosand water filtration systems. So I, I, I squeezed his brains and took that down to Uganda with me and then actually found someone that had these biosand water filtration systems already intact. So what I did was I had the children here in Canada um, raise funds and then I made sure the children that I was working with there in Uganda was raising funds as well. And then I had donors that would supplement um, what was needed. And so then that way the children on both ends weren't feeling that they were superior to the other. So the ones that but initially uh-huh. it was really difficult for the kids there to think, well, you know, let's just give us the water. And, you know, but I said, no, you have to help me and help contribute because the kids in Canada will think that they're better than you. And then right. they went, oh, okay. And then. Um, you have a say, you have a saying, a, a hand, hand up, not hand yes, out. Not hand out. That. Yeah. That's that fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So it's not mine, but uh, whoever's it is, it. Yeah. <laughs> congratulate it's, them. I saw it yeah. on your your promo stuff, though. But yeah. really, so, it's very impactful. Thank you. So it's uh, so I had read about that, and and I've incorporated that into what I was doing, and and it makes it made such a world of difference in terms of how the children felt. So when they were able to, the children in Uganda were able to raise money by selling metal or what have you, um, I could just see the difference in how they received the product and also mentors that I've had before I had always told me that anything that's given for free is never really appreciated so you always have to do some sort of trade of some kind so I've always incorporated that as well in terms of working with the children and um, it's been wonderful so anything that we do we we make sure that both children are at an equal level. So my, my, my kids here would say, wow, we're supporting, well, the, the, you know, Ugandan children are supporting us. And I said, yeah, you are. They, they are. And then the Ugandan children, they would say, wow, we're supporting the Canadian kids. And I said, yeah, you are. So we just level the playing fields. And, um, and I think that's what's missing in, in a lot of the organizations that I've looked at. 
they we didn't actually have um, that equality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. let's help out the poor kids. Yeah, yeah. let's help yeah, out the poor, yeah. the poor kids, the sick kids, the yeah. disadvantaged, mm-hmm. and, and it actually, you know, it makes us feel better. Well, yeah. we keep it in that, that position. That savior, yeah, that savior attitude, um, yeah. which, yeah. which is, I was in, I was in a live. I was, I had a live audience with the Dalai Lama long, long, long time ago, wow. and he barely spoke English, and through his interpreter on altruism, and he said, if you're doing it to make yourself feel good, it's not giving, it's it's an act of of self, you know, and it's nice that you're doing it, but it's not altruistic. And uh-huh. his, his whole thing that makes, yes. approach was to be altruistic. So it, it's kind of like comes out of biblical writings even, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of like give, but not from your ego, that you feel better and go away going, well, I just gave this much money I to just this. Did that. these yeah. poor kids. And everyone goes, oh, yay. There's, mm-hmm. there's no altruism there. No. Yeah, no. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of spotlights that right. people yeah. Work on and Maylin, so how do you end up, you said, you know, you, you, you've did some work in schools or was this something mm-hmm. that you've started as, is it uh, like a nonprofit association? And then how do people um, sort of get in, get into that? I know on your website, you've got some, some actions that people can help out, but how do they, how do they get involved? Um, they can, what, what I did was I would go into the schools with my children um, and then the, the teachers were fantastic. They were teaching that um, I would bring back videos and initially we were doing letters to connect the children and um, and then eventually what we did was um, fundraisers. So one one incredible teacher, Rose Keddie, she would have um, bake sales for us and she would have math classes in the kitchen. So a lot of kids hadn't baked anything or, you know, because coming from different cultures as well. Yes. And so that was fabulous for that, those children. And, um, and then, so the children were able to see where their every penny that they made was going directly to Uganda and what was happening over there. And so the kids, and it was also, um, yeah, so it was just, it's just lovely just to, the kids, a lot of parents were very happy as well um, to see that their children were given the opportunity to see what a village looks like in Africa mm-hmm. or in, and in, and in our case in Uganda. So crossing, mm-hmm. crossing continents, um, something that, uh, the average child wouldn't get that uh, that opportunity, especially in the inner city schools that I worked in as well. So, um, someone someone once said, um, you know, what's with Maylin and Uganda? <laughs> so I've always uh, <laughs> that hurt, <laughs> but um, I think what it is when I when I really thought about it was um, I grew up in a working class family, and um, and and you don't know. That what you don't have because it was way before social media was in place, right? right so, right. Um, so there were there were organizations like Inner City Angels that were actually giving. So we were we were exposed to like theater and and dance and and all these wonderful things that normally children um, in the working class weren't would be able to be exposed to. And then right. we, I later found out like teachers like my, you know I had a, my favorite teacher Steve Blanchard was he's you know they were actually pulling money out of their own pockets to, to mm-hmm. make sure that we were having mm-hmm. these experiences. Mm-hmm. So, um, so going back into the schools, cause my, my, my kids went back to the schools that I went to, like, um, it was my way of giving back to, to these children that didn't have the opportunity to fly, um, to experience all these things. Um, and I wanted to give them the opportunity to, to see other cultures in Uganda so that they didn't have to just see the, the old, 
um, stereotypes that we see, you know, I, I still see them up there on the, on the TTC stops where the child is like, has a ready nose and, and, um, you know, please feed these kids you're starving. And, um, and uh, yes, there's a lot of starvation here in Canada. And I wanted to the, the children, my children in Uganda to also realize that there is poverty here. Yes. And um, the, yeah, so absolutely. we give them a platform of art and dance and technology so that they can talk to each other. And, and I have them write things like, what are your, what, what do you think of Canadian kids? And they think, well, they, they all have laptops and they all have this. And, and do they have child pregnancies there, teen pregnancies? So there's a lot of things. And then a lot of things yeah. that were very hurtful came out from those conversations that I was not even aware of as well. They were told that they were, you know, I hear they don't treat black children well or people well in, in the West and, and they call them these things. And, and, and it, it broke my heart to hear these things, but it was very important for me to hear these things mm-hmm. because I was able to bring that back to the children here because um, they were able to understand that. And, and maybe they too have heard those things as well. Um, some of the children were saying how they didn't appreciate what they had. They would have new running shoes whenever. And, you know, so so having these projects running um, was really wonderful just to see how the children were responding and, and what they were. They, they Just they, their quiet moments of their aha moments, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's Breaking through those stereotypes. Yeah, it's you know, amazing watching yeah, that happen. Yeah, stereotypes just perpetuate so mm-hmm. much horror uh, mm-hmm. in it. It really does. You know, I was thinking, too, that um, one of the things that stands in the way uh, with, with say, you know, um, children who are not in middle class or whatever is often the immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. Their pride is we don't want we don't want people to know or or we you know you, I know I don't want you to take those tickets because we don't want them to know that we can't afford that ourselves. Um, I I think that could happen. Um, maybe maybe um, maybe we didn't even know at that time. I and I I truly feel we didn't really understand that we didn't really have anything um at the time and i i i I totally put that towards the fact that the the children nowadays have social media so they can see what they don't have well yeah Um, yeah yeah, but definitely yeah but there is parents the parents themselves become then part of the obstacle Mm -hmm. certainly in the older days and then it's the expectation on the children to not show any poverty like the reality is get out there and make this family look like a good hard-working immigrant family Mm-hmm. And and you know it's 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 uh it's it's almost textbook classic, but it's it wasn't that the kids couldn't get it. It was that the parents blocked it, and because well, of their pride or I their think, shame. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's accurate. I think it also varies around you know, the family's well, experience, of, of course, course, right? Of course. These are generalized. And yeah, 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 yeah. But it 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 is interesting, Maylin. I think what I love about what you're doing with Kids Canada is that you're starting, you're empowering these children. Because especially now with this pandemic, you know, this is a time where suddenly many of the children know way more about technology than most Mm -hmm. of their teachers or the adults, right? It's really quite shocking. I see my nieces and they're like little fingers can do all these magical things. And I'm like, how did you do that? You know? So, but what I love is you're, you're really saying that these children you know, they have their own beliefs, they can see, they can understand, which is transformative around education, how people learn, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you talked, uh, I was just thinking of, um, uh, you know, we all have a purpose. What, how did you discover to talk about your purpose? Where, where did that idea even <laughs> pop into your head that you had a purpose? I, I actually didn't know anything about that. It was, I was, uh, our, our journey takes us on a route that um, allows us to meet these incredible, incredible humans. And um, I had a problem with my jaw and, and ended up going to a chiropractor, Lise, Dr. Lise Janelle, and she was fabulous. And, and she later became a life coach and she, um, uh, in, and I took a lot of her workshops and she told me um, everyone has a purpose. And, um, and then we learned about that and, and then to take our passion and drive our purpose. Yeah, that's the line, that's the line I was holding back on. <laughs> was, once you, you know, is, is the passion, our passion drives our purpose. Mm-hmm. That's a very profound line. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. The concept is incredibly profound because mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I mean, I've been in this business for so long of people searching for their purpose. And their purpose could have been to take care of their mom at the end. Their purpose could have just been being, you know, a doctor, a nurse, a photographer that mm-hmm. somehow or other touched people's souls, you know. Uh, we're, we're often looking for such a big, grandiose And it doesn't thing. have to be, no. yes. And it doesn't and have to be. Saying. It could be a series of things that jig-jag us through life, through Europe, back to Canada, <laughs> back down to Trinidad, we come back <laughs> up. And, and each one somehow or other fulfills some sort of a purpose. You know, uh, I don't think we can really know what our true purpose is. I think it's so big mm-hmm. as to why are we here? No, we can't know it in one fell swoop. So we get it a little bit at a time, like a really good meal or a really good set of commercials. We'll be right back. You're <laughs> listening to Things Worth Considering with Mei-Ling Kwan. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic healthcare, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, just to remind you, we are live. If anybody does want to phone and get in on this conversation, which is kind of cool, actually. Uh, thank you, Maylin. Uh, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9141. Uh, if you have any questions. So, uh, you know what? I really want to pick up on what we were talking about of passion and purpose. Um, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of people just struggle so much with this whole idea of purpose. And I really think sometimes that it can be so simple. Maybe your purpose is to be a mom to your boy and girl, you know, and, and they do what they need to do. Like it, uh, you know, I think I think somewhere or other the purpose got trapped in I don't know capitalism, materialism, ego. Everybody needs to be ego. Everyone was a <laughs> you know if they did a past life thing, they were a king, a queen, a princess. You know, uh, wasn't there anybody that just served the king and queen? <laughs> you know, uh, or swept that's these a purpose. Serves. That's a purpose. It is absolutely, yeah. and they're yeah. happy, and 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 we can't judge that. I I, I remember um, Liz saying that, you know, she thought, oh, someone's a fish. Uh, someone that was fishing and she thought okay what can I do for this guy to to elevate him and then she realized you know who is she to ask him right or assume that he should that he is not happy doing what he's doing and that is his purpose and and it's humbling right um it's very humbling I I, I love that and and what's so beautiful about that and, and I work with that so much is our suspension of our judgment of what it's supposed to look like Mm -hmm. for other people because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm training people in spiritual work. I'm training people in psychotherapy. And it's like, you know, that holding space, there is no space for your judge in there. Well, it's humility, right? It's having humility. I don't know why you're so, here. I know what yeah. you do, but I don't know why you're here any more <laughs> than you know why I'm here. You know? Uh, right. there's a, there's a, I think it's a Mohawk uh, saying. It's like, you know, let me judge no man until I've walked, you know, 100 miles in his moccasins. And it's so true, you know, yeah. until yeah. I walk in your shoes, I'm not going to uh, probably kill my legs, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so, unless you wear running shoes. So, uh, Maylin, going back to with Kids Canada and this idea with purpose and passion that Gord's referring to, do you find that the, the children and the kids that you're working with, has this impacted them to have more clarity around their own sense of purpose? Do you feel I, that that's coming I, through? I feel so. I feel so. Um, definitely the children in Uganda, they realize that um, once they realize they're, that I'm there not just to give things to them and that they have to work for it, it really, I can see the shift in, in how they see things and how they see the West as well. And so that's lovely. Um, mm-hmm. And then they, we work together. We come up with business ideas. So um, I've, I've had a few, some wonderful success stories with the children there uh, because I've been there for, for just over, just a little over eight years now. Wow. Um, so I've seen some of these children grow up and, and they're like, 
little adults right now. And um, I have one young lady, she's now a paralegal. Another one is now, you know, working towards land. Um, and others have gone on to to do, because we train them in music and, and dance as well. So yeah. there's a group of them, the first wave has gone off to to do other, uh, to work with more, um, the, more uh, other troops that are traveling. Look, um, That's fantastic. Yeah, internationally. So, so there have been so many success stories that I've been able to witness because I've been there for so long. And then I've watched <clears> the children here grow up as well and see where they're taking their lives because they were able to connect and see where their dollar was going. They were able to ask questions. Um, you know, when we have organizations that come in and have you fundraised and then, you know, it goes into a pool and then you see these stories that, this pool of money has created um it's very different than when you have the children themselves you know bake a cookie Mm -hmm. um or like get money for that cookie and then see me take it to uganda virtually um and then you see up you know the space that ukc we have ukc center of art and technology i was able to get an acre of land there and so wow. now we're building. So right now, currently, our main project is building a curvy wall. The, the, the British have such wonderful names for their walls. It's called a crinkle crankle wall. And so, <laughs> I, so looking, I love the British. Um, it's read out of Harry Potter, right? It does, yeah. So what's wonderful about this wall is that it, it, it doesn't use a lot of bricks. It's just like a one layer of bricks, just because they curve, just the nature of it. So um, presently, we just wanted to secure the land right now so then we can bring in more. That So many people are, are wanting wanting to come from Canada there to learn to dance, learn to drum, learn things from the Ugandans. And that's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to do, not to bring people in there to, to, to build something or, right. or, or, you know, to, to be yeah. the white saviors, uh, but to mm-hmm. go there. And, uh, and um, a lot of people want to connect back to their homeland. Um, people wonder why I'm there. Um, I feel I'm, I connect to Uganda. I, I, I feel comfortable there. I, I believe it's because of my West Indian heritage even though mm-hmm. I was I left so early um but it's um and, and eventually I would like to just tell everyone keeps telling me to open up a center in their country and I just tell them like please just help me you know just yeah. make this one a flagship because you know Trinidad of course yes I would love to have one in Trinidad and Tobago but right now my heart is in Uganda and and I and I have no doubt that we can have something at the end that we can take and then our children can travel um around and, and experience each other. And I truly, truly feel that we break down these stereotypes and these children can talk to each other. I truly feel that is is what will will stop all of this anger and hate and mm. and um just all this negative well, and especially using yeah. music and dance mm-hmm. and video and photography, it's a totally different language. Right? It's a totally it different way to connect with people. And universal at the same time, right? Yes. It's, it's yes. Like the drum is access everywhere. Is, mm-hmm. Access is such raw material, like our raw, you know, uh, almost ancestral, uh, mm-hmm. our ancestral hurts and pain that we carry with us. You know, uh, you know, Uganda doesn't have a great past, especially the last like 25 years under Amin. Is, I mean, that land holds that pain. It does, and it, and it shows that um, I think yeah. it does That's show. That's the anger and, I'm hearing. Yeah, there is a lot of anger yeah. underlying things that you do not see initially, um, but mm. because I've been there long enough, and I've, I, you know, sadly, I feel it. 
and yeah. um, and it's and I really think that education and 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 just exposing each other, giving these children the platform to work together and connect. I really feel, even if it's just that my small group of children, I really feel that that can just grow. Well, that's very healing. It's that in itself. It's the vibration that is healing the land. It's the people's energy that will heal the land. And And that's what I believe, right? That it's that you're doing. This is really very, very powerful work. But and also just to, I'm not bringing anything there. I I really feel now I do. I I really truly understand that what they need is there already. Mm -hmm. Someone told me, um, a herbalist had told me that as well, because I was so busy thinking, okay, what what do I need to bring over there? Chocolate from Belgium. Right? Chocolate from Belgium. I know, that can heal everything. (laughs) That's going to heal COVID too. Right. Um, (laughs) But but I I, I feel, but she was right. Um, Everything that they need is there. And yeah. um, and everything that we need is here as well. And, and I, I do always want to stress that we have poverty. We have um, we have groups. Our First Nations need clean water, and mm-hmm. you know, and not even just the First Nations. But we have so many things that are affecting poverty. It's affecting our own children as well. It's a Absolutely. higher rate of um, suicide. Um, so we can't just point our fingers and say, "Well, we're so much better than the wet, the no. the other countries." No. And and I don't like saying that they're third world because there's there's a lot of poverty and then there's a lot of wealth as well. And um, it's the discrepancy it's, between those two that's causing the biggest problems. The exactly. Inequity. Yes. It's the inequity exactly. that's becoming the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. To, so. It's it's hard to see, but I think what um, what we bring over there um, is. Is, is knowledge of, of where we have failed because everyone is so busy trying to be like the West. Um, and I always try to remind <laughs> them that, you know, we're no. so busy trying to be like them now, back yeah. to organic food yeah. and, yeah, you know, exactly. their herbs, things like that. So yeah. I'm not introducing them to anything that, that I know about. I'm just trying to get them, my children, to reconnect with, an, with their own heritage and their own traditions so that they're not just looking at the West. So mm-hmm. I think that... I feel it's very important and I, and I see the pride in the children. And um, so that's why I feel how we are approaching um, this, our, how our organize, my organization is approaching things is quite different. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm seeing the results, um, yeah. being fortunate to have the, those eight years. So, that's um, so great. The West has yeah. been very brilliant in making everybody else look bad. <laughs> and we're not we don't have a great past we have horrible you it's know true. horrible true. repression of what we've done with indigenous what these residential schools that, like, you know just on and on and on and the churches are like oh we don't talk about it nobody talks about anything but yet we're, we're willing to like do economic you know uh sanctions against south africa at one point for apartheid it's like hello you know are we yeah. forgetting because we're all so busy looking over there, and that's where, you know, I, I see the, the, the press being so good at this, is, you know, they have us focused elsewhere that nobody sees behind. Yeah. Like the looking good family. You know, someone who's looking in the window sees this really lovely, everything's, you know, mom smiling, you know, the classic <laughs> sort of thing. Meanwhile, what's going on behind that window is insanity. 
It's so that's why, yeah, that's why, that's the media. To me, that's the media as well. So it's what what we're hoping to offer is to look behind that curtain and show, let the children have that opportunity to talk to each other. And to know that it's okay on the other side of that curtain. Yeah, that uh, we don't have to look at the curtain. That's not their reality. And that's, it doesn't have to be their reality. So, um, yeah. Well, this is really promoting consciousness to me, ultimately, because those children that are going to grow up with this exposure, this awareness, this experience that is completely different from what typically children experience going through schools, that I do wonder how these kids are going to uh, continue almost like the legacy that you, you are developing and how that will spread into hopefully other generations, hopefully other countries, yeah. So that we're citizens of the world rather than you know having these no separation. You're from here. You're from here. Instead I mean, of you know you're looking, you're connecting people through the commonalities. But the fact that it's working with children, I think, is is really, really uh, very, very important, especially you. now, especially yeah. now. And we are, are able to. I mean, you must be exposed with their, their parents. Like, they're, they got kind of cool yes. moms and dads, you know. That, <laughs> you know, like, they're not, they're, they're, although it's through the kids, again, that the parents are somehow giving permission for that to happen. You know? um, unfortunately, yeah, ha- I did have to um, work with the parents, and we do work with the parents as a whole. We work with the family as a whole, because that we yeah. find that is more, we have a it's higher safe. success rate. As well, yeah. when we yeah, it creates you know, safety that they're not doing mm-hmm. or being told you know weird things or or whatever. <laughs> I I really wish for you that it does go to lots of countries. Thank you, yes, Maylan, yeah. and people Thanks can so find much. you at Kids Canada, Kids Canada, and they can donate, .ca. which is fantastic, right? KidsCanada.ca, yes. yes, fantastic. Go Help there just so to look at the pictures. Exactly, they're beautiful. <laughs> thank I want so to tell much, us about. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Thank I'd you, like thank you so much. Let people know. Well. We have here our listeners that next week we have this amazing woman. Her name is uh, Brenda Pettigrew, and she is a sister of mercy in Newfoundland. Uh, she has been there for a very long time, and she's a sister of the world. Um, having worked in a lot of areas, she is very focused on transformative uh, experience within people and within their uh, culture uh, and women's spirituality as well. What's very cool is she lives in the forest. She says that her, her, her teachers are the trees and the, the, you know, the essence of the forest and of the lakes. And she just sounds such uh, well, there's almost, so there's a very shamanistic element to her approach to, to wellness and to health and to spirituality and her relationship to the forest. So, uh, so that's next week. You can get in touch with us through transformationalarts.ca. We have uh, our compassion circle tomorrow night at 7 p.m., Go to transformationalarts.ca. You'll be able to get access to the codes, and it's free, and it's a great place to let go of the week. So thank you for listening. Maylin, we hope to have you back again, and we will see thank you, you soon. Thanks okay, so much thank you. Have a good week, folks, and stay safe. Good night, everyone. for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 